Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson in Los Angeles, Whitey Gleason back at our San Francisco studios, and you on the phone lines at 888-957-9570, Comcast Business Text Line as well. Have a few text messages to get to here, Whitey, in this segment. But uh, we're getting everybody ready for the Warriors and the Lakers. Game three tonight from Los Angeles, Crypto.com Arena, and the Warriors and Lakers set to go at it as the Warriors now tying this series after their blowout win. What an avalanche those middle two quarters were in game two. Clay Thompson going off, Stephen Curry controlling the game, Draymond Green taking Anthony Davis out of the game, and, and Warrior fans, why do you feeling pretty good about mm-hmm. where this series sits, even with the Lakers taking home court advantage for the time being off of that game one victory? Clay was uh, so phenomenal in the second game and, of course, meant so much for him to play so well against the Lakers. And I was reminded of years ago when you and I were doing, uh, kind of during the gap year, doing the pre and post. And I remember being just looking at the court hours before a game and was like, who's special who's season? Yeah, yeah. Who's out there shooting all by himself? Oh, it's Clay. Um, and it was it just then to see him just filling it up against the Lakers was, uh, it's, it's an amazing story. And I mentioned that because Clay said something really interesting to me about how important it is for him to go to L.A. and play well in honor of Kobe and Gigi because, of course, Clay worshipped Kobe and used to go to, you know, the when it was Staples with his dad to watch the Lakers as when Clay was in high school. And he's talked about how he's dedicating his effort to Kobe and Kobe's daughter uh, tonight and in the next game because of all that they uh, meant to him growing up. Yeah, definitely special, and of, and of course the ties there with with Michael Thompson, who's doing the radio broadcast on the on the Lakers side, and and yeah, it, I, I will say, you know, Whitey, this this is just kind of a quick note on on that, just from walking around the area here uh, around what used to be Staples and now is Crypto.com Arena and, and LA Live, and th- this is the first time that I've been back down here in this area since before COVID and since Kobe mm. passed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in January there of, of 2020, which was obviously right right before COVID hit. And it just – it was a little surreal to just kind of think of just everything that's happened in the basketball world but in, in real life since, you know, since the last time. I think October of 2019 was the last time I was down here for – I think it was a preseason game when I stayed over – after covering the the 49ers playing the Rams and and I'd been down here a couple of times for 49ers Rams since including that NFC championship game a couple of years back but I I hadn't actually stayed over and and stayed in the area I'd gone down and come back day of because of the the timing of things and so it was just it was just different kind of getting a, a vibe of what it used to be and coming down here a lot for whether it was Warriors Lakers or even Warriors Clippers which was more the the big rivalry uh, in in the most recent years, but but it just kind of surreal to to think of the passing of time and the passing of Kobe and 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 relating it back to uh, you know what you had mentioned about Clay Thompson trying to to dedicate this series to Kobe and obviously uh, Gigi as well. What are you watching tonight uh, most intently? Obviously, we're and I don't mean to speak for you here. Maybe some of this. Maybe there's other things. Obviously, we're watching the fouls tonight. We're watching which Anthony Davis uh, shows up, and I'll be really interested to see whether Jamichael Green can take advantage of the opportunity. I think it'll be there. I don't think he'll start, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to continue to draw Anthony Davis away from the basket. But he's got to make shots. So those are three of the things that I'm really uh, most interested in seeing tonight. How about you? 
you don't think he'll start. I think that's. In, I, I almost think. I, I, I want to just kind of get into that conversation. I do think he's going to start again, and I, I think it. It's kind of a. To me, it's an easy way to get him some minutes, and also if he isn't good, he's basically only going to play the first four to six minutes of of each half, or mm-hmm. at least of the game. If it, if I think if it goes really bad. You know, maybe Kerr just doesn't even start him in the second half of the game. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of get the sense that that hmm. Kerr will stick with Jamichael Green and and see if it if it continues to to work. And then if it doesn't, it's an easy a, adjustment to make. But you, you would go back to Looney, or you think Coach Kerr will go back to Looney in the starting lineup, or you think they'll start small? Or yeah, I would guess they'll go back to Looney. I understand your point though, and I think whether they start Green or not, the larger point. Um, and it is a good one, but I think the larger point, he's going to have opportunities, whether that's to start the game. I do think he's going to have opportunities, but as you said, uh, you know, maybe a quick hook if he starts, my point is if, you know, he's got to make shots, they're not going to just continue to throw him out there. Let's see what happens. But if he's making shots, he's going to stay on the floor because that's obviously one of the keys for the Warriors is to try to draw AD away from the basket. They had so much more success inside the three point line in game two than they did in game one when, you know, AD in that first game. When he's on as he was, he's a he's a top five player in the world. And then game two, he's definitely not. But he can. There's that much as we say now variance in his performance. When he's on, I mean, he is an absolute uh, handful across the board in every facet of the game. Well, and the question then becomes: How many games can Anthony Davis be on yeah, at that level? Right in, in this series, is it two? Is it four? I think the Lakers probably are going to need four game one type performances at least at least three and they haven't seen it at all back to back in these playoffs at all yeah so they they got to be thinking all right well one three five and seven those are the (laughs) yeah one one three five and seven and and you better win all four because even game one wound up being close down the stretch when the Warriors went small from from down 14 and and were able to to tie that game in the in the final minute and a half before the Lakers ended up with the the final five as far as adjustments and uh what do you expect eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero from the Lakers uh I, I think it's same soup for the Warriors side of things like I said I would I would keep Jamichael Green in there I would be leery of Jordan whether Jordan Poole has it or not I thought there was a moment you know this was really the first game where I thought Dante DiVincenzo in game two played well enough to where you could almost give DiVincenzo pools minutes. And I think Moses Moody then got some of DiVincenzo's minutes because DiVincenzo was getting some of pools minutes. I think Moody obviously got Peyton's minutes who was somebody that, that wasn't in the rotation in, in game two, which I thought was interesting. The one thing the Warriors have to be careful of in this series. And I think it was part of, why there were the changes that were made you can't have players on the court against the Lakers who were completely non-threats offensively and I think Peyton at time like where's Peyton gonna score corner three dunker spot right beyond that that's it you know where's Looney gonna score offensive rebound or a play that's made for him for for a layup and Peyton kind of fell into that trap in the first game just to embellish your point where he got a hey I got an open three here and he missed it and you know the Lakers are like yeah you keep shooting that baby no and 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 I think the Lakers are still going to give Jamichael Green open threes but but Jamichael Green has got the size and he is you know and the ability to knock down that corner that corner three so I think in in some ways he is still more of an offensive threat than Peyton is. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And for the position, obviously you're playing him at center. They did play him at power forward a little bit, which which I thought was interesting. I think you know, if Poole isn't going to be an offensive threat, and he really wasn't an offensive threat in game two for as much as he is an offensive threat regularly, then you know, if he's going to be making negative plays, you gotta you got to try to find some alternative. And I, I think the Warriors in the Kings series – didn't really feel like anybody else was playing well enough to take his minutes. And so you just had to ride it out and hope Poole wouldn't, would give you something, but also hope Poole wouldn't kill you. And so I thought game two, they were riding that high wire and, and DiVincenzo played well enough that it gave Steve Kerr uh, another option. And Moses Moody is another player who I think is a threat. He's not a great shooter. At least he hasn't been to this point in his career but he's a younger, a little bit more athletic, thick body type. 
and he has the ability to at least, again, be a threat in more ways than than Peyton is. And so I think that's where, you know, some of that youthful energy comes from and, and the Warriors can, can put him on the floor. He's played really steadily in, in this series uh, and, and in the first series as well and as far as Moses Moody goes. As far as some of the Laker adjustments, before we get back to the phones, Whitey, uh, I expect the Lakers to be extremely physical. Mm-hmm. There, there's always the the emotional adjustment. The team that loses is going to come back and really try to hit first. I think the Lakers are really going to try to to grab and hold and clutch and push and move and and bulldoze off it. Like I think I think they are going to try to grind the game to a halt while still playing at a at a pretty high pace because they do typically play at a, at a pretty high pace but but the physicality I think is something the Warriors are going to have to be ready for with the Lakers coming off of the the loss in game two if the officials let it go a little bit there is some upside there for the Warriors I agree with you if they allow a lot of clutching and holding on the perimeter certainly that can slow the Warriors down but if they allow Draymond to continue to play physically against Anthony Davis that at least in that respect that actually would work in the in the Warriors favor Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. It's John Dickinson in LA, along with Whitey Gleason here on Warriors this week at ninety five seven. The game. Let's get back to the phones, and that means Mitch joins us in Jersey. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, Mitch. How you doing, Whitey? John, how you doing? Hope, hope you're having a good time down in LA. Oh yeah. Uh, if you say you stay, are you staying in Hollywood? Well, somebody has to do it, right? So I hope you're having a nice time. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, you're right. Somebody has to do it, Mitch. <laughs> oh, poor, poor me, Mitch. Poor me. <laughs> hey, there should be an extra phone you check, Whitey, because you know it's making me uh, a little tougher there. Right, working uh, right. solo, you know, right. with John put down there. Um, why don't you just continue with game two game plan? Um, I like Jamal, uh, J. Michael, J. Michael Green, and um, this is uh, I think it's one of the funniest things ever did. Anthony Davis, they say street calls. I heard somebody, uh, it stands for alternate days. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I hope we see more of a, also a loony and a great postseason. Anyway, thanks for taking my call. Alternate days. Yeah. yeah th- thanks, Mitch. I Absolutely. do think we're going to see more of, more of, uh, again, Jamichael Green, as we were talking about there. Go, go ahead, Whitey. No, that's all. That's all I had. Uh, yeah, minutes wise. Well, we know that Kavon only played. I have it right in front of me. I apologize because it's right here in front of me. Kavon Looney played eleven, 11. minutes. Yeah, tw- uh, twelve if you round up. And Steve Kerr said, "Well, he was only going to play, you know, no more than twenty. So is he going to get more minutes tonight, or as you say, as you suggest, J. Mike, if he's playing well, maybe he soaks up some of those minutes tonight." What What did you think of the the Brian Windhorst uh, on on? Kavon Ludi and saying it was dubious, the fact, like, almost hinting that he wasn't really sick, or that the Warriors were using that as an uh, excuse to get make a lineup. To, like who, who the Warriors could have easily made that lineup change without Looney being right. sick. Like I don't. Yeah, if it was a bizarre uh, mm-hmm. narrative shift. I heard something about that. It makes no sense because if you know the Warriors, um, it, they have no qualms about sitting Looney. You know, there are some guys you might say, "Boy, we're gonna sit him and." You got to be careful. And Looney's like, yeah, whatever. That happens to me all the time. So that whole notion that it's some sort of, oh, it was a, it was a, you know, slate of hand. Uh, I, it makes no sense to me. It was uh, uh, ridiculous, frankly. Eight at eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. Jonathan and Fremont next here on Warriors this week. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah. Hey guys. Love the show. Love both you guys. Uh, JD. Great job last series, covering both sides. Really appreciated all that. And uh, Whitey, love you. Uh, I know people get you confused with uh, Cosmore, but I'll take you any day. <laughs> um, so thank you guys both. Uh, just wanted to talk real quick maybe about the Lakers adjustments. Uh, I know we know AD's got to bring it, and they're probably depending on that. But I'm wondering if they sub out a little bit of their starting lineup. Austin Reeves is a not very impactful, and maybe you bring Schroeder back in. He tends to get to the free throw line more, uh, you know, kind of plays to what they maybe want to solve for on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, I'm wondering if you, what you guys think about them running more zones from time to time, 
you know, giving their bigger, uh, you know, LeBron and AD a break on the defensive end, and then maybe go, you know, like what happened with the Raptors back in those finals where they go boxing one on Curry. Uh, so yeah, wondering, guys, wondering what you guys think about those those potential changes on the Lakers. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan, uh, and and Whitey too. You you covered both sides. In, yes, in definitely the last series as well. Definitely in, in your own way. <laughs> definitely, definitely so, did. Hat, hat tip <laughs> to you there, sir. Uh, Jonathan, I, I they didn't play much zone, did they, JD? And I had a different perspective. No. Yeah, and and the Warriors, of course, they had a lot of success with the zone late in the first game. So I thought, oh, we're going to see more of that. Didn't really need it, which is great. It's nice to have that in the bag because it did. And I think he was saying the Lakers might play more zone. Wow. I think he was saying the which I mean, good luck. Uh huh. Or, or go or go some box and one. I mean, to me, that that's the last thing you'd want to do if you were the Lakers would be to play zone. Although I guess you could try to match up and, and That'd get be tough. out to the shooters. Yeah, yeah. But that, I I just don't. I don't, I don't see, see that. that. I, I maybe I misunderstood him, but I do think I'm going to be keeping an eye on how much zone. Uh, the Warriors play because they did have some success with it. And, it will, you know, you see these guys have played against zones their whole lives growing up playing basketball, but NBA games, you know, they're playing along, blah, blah, blah. They got some momentum going, and then you throw a zone at them, and it's like, oh, whoa, hold on a minute. And I think we saw that a little bit with the Lakers, and it makes sense against the Lakers because they don't shoot the ball very well. So a zone makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and that's one thing I think the Warriors can keep in their back pocket. Didn't have yeah. to use it much, but right. know they can go to it in addition to the the small ball lineup. But, uh, as far as Schroeder, I don't see the Lakers putting Schroeder back in tonight. I do think it's a move they could go to if if Reeves continues to struggle. Malik Beasley is somebody, though, that I know hasn't been playing for them, but did play for them down the stretch in the in the regular season he would be the one laker player that i think could get a little bit more time than he has in the in the first couple of games he was a really good three-point shooter this year Mm -hmm. he's a a wing defender remember what he did to the warriors remember what he did to them in salt lake city warriors problems he's the kind of player that gives the warriors problems i was surprised and again i know reeves has been playing really well and they play they play schroeder and and you know D'Angelo Russell and and the like, but I I was a little surprised to see that Beasley wasn't wasn't getting some run. So I I think that's one maybe that the Lakers are keeping in their back pocket is somebody that could be added as let's say a, an eighth man to their rotation with them. I mean they're basically only playing Schroeder and Hachimura significant minutes off the bench. I could see Beasley becoming kind of their eighth here in the in the games in L.A. Yeah, and real quickly, I know we got a lot of people want to talk to us. We want to talk to you, too. But Schroeder's one of the absolute keys here when they do have that shorter rotation. It's night and day at the, the Lakers. There was a lot going on, but he played so well in the first game and that the second game, he was he was barely there and it has a profound impact on, on their overall effectiveness. Let's go back to the phones. PG in Oakland next year on Warriors this week. Hey, PG. PG. PG, you there? Hello. Hi. Hey, yeah, uh, PG in Oakland here. Thanks for taking yeah. my call. Listen, mm-hmm. I sit in Section 102 right behind the Warriors bench and uh, season ticket holder. I've uh, observed – had a chance to observe Poole very, very closely. Uh, he's not going to be a warrior next year. The the it, it it really looks like the whole coaching staff and the players have a disdain for this guy. That's that's you can almost you can you can uh, Poole will be on the bench trying to talk to the guys. The guys are just kind of like the body language is just awful. They'll turn their back to him like they don't really want to engage him. And uh, specifically what I saw in game two was uh, we got up by 27. The Lakers called a timeout. And uh, I took some pictures of Poole, uh, and he literally looks like he's going to cry. I mean, this guy had no happiness for his team, for the situation. It's just all about, you know, whether or not he was part of the reason as to why we've had some success. And uh, it just really, really feels like he realizes that, you know, this is all coming to an end. Uh, when they announce his name, when he comes into the game, the, 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 the reaction from the fans in the crowd is just like super, super lukewarm, like a little mild, little clap. You know, Jordan Poole, 
coming into the game, clap, 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 and then he realizes that. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you guys feel about that? We're always talking about his numbers, whether or not he, you know, had a good game or not. But I think it's, I think it's gotten deeper than that. What do you guys think? I agree. I think he's I, I gone think after this year. It. I don't think he's back next year, but we'll see. No, I, I think there's definitely something to that. And, uh, you know, I think it's crazy how, how he's fallen from, from fan favorite to, to basically the, the player on this roster that draws more ire from the fans now than, than really anyone. And there was the, the incident af- in where he went to started to go down the tunnel mm-hmm. after getting subbed out, and mm-hmm. Andre Godala had to go and say something to him, kind of get his, his composure. I know there was the, the game six deal I think it was game six where uh, uh, Draymond was trying to say something to him and he kind of brushed off Draymond and then Steph Curry had to go over and and basically tell him to act right yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 listen to listen to Draymond and don't have that that kind of attitude and so I it, yeah it it really you know it, it's so funny when you think Whitey of how the Warriors are, are doing enough to win and, and they, they beat the Kings and it's 1-1 in this series and everybody's feeling good about where they're at going into Game 3 and Game 4 here in L.A. But yet, beneath the surface, it does seem, and I think we could throw Jonathan Kaminga in, in this as well, who has been outwardly you know, expressing his frustration as to you know not having more of a role here. And it, it, it feels like it's almost two different things going on. The Warriors are trying to win as many games as they can to compete for a championship, but they're also trying to just keep the fabric of their their continuity and camaraderie and, and, and team concept together as they do it, which is a tough ask, but so far, and I think Steph gets the, the nod as the, the glue that's held it all together to this point. But it really does, in some ways, when you separate from the, the day-to-day and the game-to-game, feel a lot more fragile beneath the surface. In all fairness, I know PG said he thinks this is what Poole's thinking and this is what's in his head, and we don't know that. You're making an assumption, obviously. That True. said, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I know I, it doesn't look good, PG, and you have a unique perspective being right there all the time. I thought it was really interesting that after Game 1, when Poole took the shot at the 29-footer and he missed it, that afterwards, Steve Kurt talking about it after the game uh, with the media and also on our station, he said, I love that he took the shot. But he went on to say he probably could have been a few steps closer. That's really interesting to me that the coach, you know, a lot of times I think a coach would say, hey, you know, you live and die with those, whatever. The fact that Steve Kerr publicly was pointing out, and I think correctly, but hey, he could have, you know, could have gotten a better shot there. That was very interesting to me. And I think that speaks volumes. I think they, Jordan Poole is not really a warrior in the sense that we think of the guys on this team. They need him for now. And they're, as you said, JD, I think they're trying to keep it together as long as they can and getting something out of him. But I would be really surprised if after this year, if he's back now, maybe, you know, if, if no one wants him, if his value is down that much, then you got an issue, but it does seem like, yeah, this is probably the end of the road for Jordan Poole as a warrior. Well, and they do need him. I mean, they they yeah. do, they, they do need him. To yeah, play. I mean, life is much easier on the Warriors. That's the interesting part. Yeah, well, yeah. And so you can't completely go away from him in the manner that you can completely go away from someone, say, like Kaminga, as, as the Warriors have done here for the last three games of the the Sacramento series and the first two games of of this series. Like you have other options. Like Kaminga doesn't have to play. Poole still has to play, right? Because of, right, and and maybe less given DiVincenzo's ability to play well. But but tonight, you know, the war. There's going to be nights where the Warriors are going to be searching for offense, and they're going to need Jordan Poole to, mm-hmm. to to step forward and help them. Uh, I think how this thing ends matters. Uh, and, yes, great you know, point. We'll see, yeah. But you know, do they? Do, does he end up being a part of them going on to win? Maybe he is a part of them going on to win, and he he wants out. The Warriors feel, all right, let's recommit to the, the veteran core. And if the Warriors were going to do that, Whitey, the two players that you would have to look to move if you were going to bring in other reinforcements would be Poole and Kaminga. I think it's interesting that Poole and Kaminga are the two headliners in terms of maybe being frustrated with their mm-hmm. role and or not wanting to be here potentially moving forward. That that could wind up being a problem that's tailor-made both sides, uh, mm-hmm. depending upon how this thing shakes out. Better for them and better for the Warriors to, to move on. Again, that's more conversation for after the season ends. 888 957 
He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson in Los Angeles. We'll pause. We'll come back. We're halfway through here on a Saturday on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, rolling along here, halfway through, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. we got full phone lines, a lot of people that want to talk here, so we'll get to it coming up momentarily. Just letting everybody know again here, Whitey, that we've got you covered all the way up until 1 o'clock here, and then I'm going to be back in the 4 o'clock hour from Crypto.com Arena for Warriors Live. And the Warriors and the Lakers tonight right here on 95.7 The Game, 5.30 tip. It's an ABC Saturday Night Showcase game of all ABC Saturday Night Showcase games. And uh, the ratings for this series, I know the ratings at the end of the, the first-round series got a lot of pub. The ratings have been tremendous for the early yeah. uh, going of this series. And, and I think tonight and, and beyond are, are just going to continue to be record breakers with all of the star power that's on display between these two teams and the Warriors and Lakers. If you had to have a picture taken in front of one, uh, one of the Lakers statues or with JD and one of the Lakers statues, if you had to, which one would you choose JD? Uh, for me, it would be magic Johnson. Okay. In fact, I already, I, it wasn't, a, I, I didn't take a picture with me in the picture, but I just was again, walking around this morning. I went and got a coffee at, at LA live and, and crossed the street and walked, uh-huh. and there were a bunch of bunch of you know Kareem and yeah. uh, you know Shaq, and Shaq yeah. and yeah it, exactly uh, with Dustin Brown of the the L A Kings, Luke Robitaille. I mean, there's some there's a bunch of different <laughs> there's a bunch of different ones. Gretzky, I think, is out there on on one of the ends. Uh, but Magic is the one. Ma- Magic nice. the one for me. I yeah. just I still I I know Magic was known for his smile and and the way that he played and and Showtime and and all of that, but. But every, when I see the magic statue and he's got the ball in his hands and he's and he's pointing, it's like he it just it it makes me smile. Yeah. When I see when I see magic, so yeah, that that's the one for me. All right, yeah, he was a winner. By the way, real quick before we get back to the phones, the last four franchises that have won NBA titles, the Lakers, of course, won the bubble uh, championship. Of the last four franchises that have won NBA titles, the only one that still has the same head coach is the Warriors. Budenholzer's out now. Vogel, of course, was fired um, from the Lakers. And um, well, Nick Nurse was let go uh, by the Raptors. So the last four franchises to win an NBA title, the Warriors are the only one that still has the same head coach. 888-957-9570. Yeah, how about that? Pretty incredible. Yeah. When, when you, and, and Steve Kerr's done a hell of a job. Uh, making adjustments. You know, there's always the debate, do the Warriors wait too long to make adjustments sometimes in playoff series? But eventually they get there, and when they get there, the adjustments usually work. Right. I think we've seen that from game one to game two. Uh, even the end of game one, 
uh, when the Warriors went small and were able to come back after they got down by 14. Bernardo in Marin. Let's get back to the phones. We've got a lot of people that want to talk. Bernardo is up first here this segment on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Bernardo. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Looking forward for the game today. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, uh, we're going to score a, a win to, to uh, bring the momentum back to, to the Bay Area. Uh, but uh, I wanted to, to take a deeper uh, look at Draymond Green. Uh, in, the, in the first uh, 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 round series, uh, everybody was criticizing him and, and uh, really heavy on him because of the, the antics and everything else. But uh, I'd like to, to, to know where, uh, in your guys' opinion, where does he rank in the all-time greats uh, on the defensive uh, uh, end? Because he, he, he's so versatile, he's so uh, uh, acute on, on, on his uh, performances that I, I believe he's really underappreciated uh, as, as a warrior. And uh, I, uh, everybody's talking about the, the Curry legacy, LeBron's legacy. But uh, I'd like to uh, hear your take on, on Draymond, uh, uh, Draymond's legacy. He's a champion. He's a winner. He's one of the greatest defensive players ever to play in, in, in the NBA. And, I mean, he's been the heart and soul in the engine for better or worse. And mostly better, but for better or worse, there have been a lot of bad times where – I think the fans have been down on him. I think his own teammates have been down on him. I think the organization has been down on him. But he has always had the ability, Whitey, to bounce back. And the good ends up outweighing the bad. And the the reality is the Warriors need him. The Warriors aren't winning anything without Draymond Green doing the things that he does and playing at a high level. And can that be a bit of a dice roll from time to time as to maybe he's going to do something that completely takes you out of the running? Yes, he might, but at the same time, you're not winning it at all if you don't have him, so you have to risk it, and I think that's why the Warriors have stuck with them, and the Warriors sticking with him has paid dividends. I agree with uh, Bernardo that he doesn't get the credit that he deserves defensively. I think that's in part because there's nothing Draymond does defensively that you can really measure with a stat. You know, you can't say, he led the league in block shots four years in a row. Because the things he does don't show up that way. He stole Anthony Davis's soul five <laughs> yes. times in yeah, playoff there you games go. over the years. There you go. But he's one of the greatest defensive players. I'm not sure where he would rank in you know top ten or whatever. But he's one of the greatest. And I agree with you. I, I think I, I I heard you saying this. If I understood what you were saying correctly, they don't win anything. You know, they've won the four. They don't win a championship without Draymond Green. They don't win any of those championships without Draymond Green. That's how impactful he is, especially defensively. And he's smart, no too. Doubt. He's a really smart. All these guys, you don't win four championships without having a lot of guys who know what they're doing. And, yeah, we have culture, great coaches. Yeah, but you got to have players who understand, huh, we're going to have to do this or this or this. I'm going to have to really apply myself. And I don't think the Warriors get enough credit for how smart they are, not just you know basketball IQ, but really smart people who understand what it takes to win. Well, and, and Draymond has the ability, I think, to – yes, he's got a temper, and yes, he can get over the top and out of control from time to time, but he also has the ability to take a step back and and watch a game where maybe things don't go his way and then come back and take advantage of it yeah. the next game. And he did that from game one to game two where he admitted that the foul trouble really screwed with his rhythm in game one. He comes back. He's attacking the basket offensively. He's defending at an extremely high level. Like he made the adjustment. He made the adjustment off of the suspension game in the Sacramento series to come back and score 20-plus mm-hmm. points in, in Game 5, a game that the Warriors absolutely had to have in that Sacramento series. And so he, I think you're right, doesn't get enough credit for the ability to make those adjustments off of poorer games. Uh, 888-957-9570. Play fast in San Francisco next year. What's up, Play Fast? PF. Gentlemen, thank you for your passion. Thank you for the insights. I got a little quiz question for you. Except for this past year, when the Warriors got the rebound, who would they give the ball to? The guy they called the point forward, the gentleman who was in Bernardo's call, who would cross the timeline in three seconds. Who was that? Draymond, no doubt. Draymond, Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. 
it, I realized in this last Laker game that this entire past regular season got a little frenetic in Sacramento, but I think that was more a product of the, the game and the tension. But we stopped playing fast. I can remember this past season actually looking at the shot clock and thinking, okay, don't forget it's 16 seconds. Whereas in the, the bulk of the dynasty, that was not us. So people are noticing now that we're playing faster again, but it wasn't discussed much during the year. It wasn't really discussed in the Sacramento series. And I think the lineup changes are important, but I think we've got multiple lineups that can beat that, be, that can be successful if we continue to push it, even if it's not Draymond. So really my question to you guys is, was this strategy during the past year by the Warriors? Was it load management? Was it saving it? Was it people forgetting, hoping they would forget we, this is the way we really play? Where did that go, and will it stay back? That's my question for you guys. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank I appreciate you. it. I, I, I think it. I, I think the Warriors did play fast. I think, if anything, other teams have started to play faster over the, the years, and the Warriors weren't quite as efficient in playing fast as they have been compared to, to years past. But I, I think it's been there. Uh, in the Sacramento series, I do think the Warriors slowed it down a tick because they had to just to be a little more deliberate in getting into their offense and not turning it over or taking a bad shot. Uh, but this series... You want to run, 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 and run some more. Yeah, I'm with I'm with the Cutler on that. Play fast, sure. And I believe the I double check it, but I'm pretty sure the Warriors actually did lead the league in pace this year. So they did. They were one or two. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they were one or two. They were right up there. And in the playoffs, things do tend to slow down. It depends. You can cherry pick a year where no, not necessarily, but things do tend to slow down a little bit in the postseason. But yeah, I do think that's. Steve Kerr, especially the smaller they are, sometimes the more you want to run, uh, the more more you want to get uh, out on the perimeter and shoot three point shots. So I think that's I do think it's part of the plan this year is to be even uh, playing at a at a quicker pace. And I think it's especially important against the Lakers, not as important as it was against Sacramento, because remember Sacramento also wanted to play that way. And the Warriors among teams in the playoffs are playing at the fastest pace. Okay, thank uh, you. I, I just just looking at the numbers here. Uh, they are number one. The Lakers, it looks like, seventh in terms of, of pace. And and the Lakers were a team that, that even though they were a more plodding team, still played at a – they played at a higher pace in the regular season than, than I thought. I know two different teams, though, uh, yeah. for the team they had before the trade deadline, the team, Whitey, that they had after the trade deadline. Yeah. Boy, they were bad before they made all those moves. Remember early in the year? I mean, they earned every bit of that 2-10 and 10 start, whatever it was. They were awful. They were a joke. That – that team had nothing going. Yeah. And, and this team has at least given them a chance. I mean, I like the moves going and getting D'Angelo Russell, losing Westbrook, who played much better with the Clippers. Hat tip to him. Uh, he did not fit with the Lakers. Vanderbilt, Hachimura. They freed, they freed yeah. Up, yeah, they freed up Austin Reeves to have a bigger role. Vanderbilt's a really good defender. Hachimura has helped them. Schroeder going back to more of a, a sixth-man role because of some of the other acquisitions. I, I like that. And I like Malik Beasley uh, mm-hmm. as well, who hasn't played in this series, but we talked about I think he could be somebody that that they ultimately uh, wind up putting in into this series. And White. Tristan Thompson, a huge addition. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I make a joke. <laughs> you know what's funny? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something that, that may, may make me sound a little not locked in. I so when Tristan Thompson went in the game on Thursday in game 2 it was a blowout and I was kind of going through my notes and I was I was sitting by uh, the great Whitley Sandretto our our director of of digital uh here at 95.7 the game and and so I I was the game was over I'm kind of going through my notes getting ready for the the post game show so I'm not really locked in on the game because the subs are in and I'm and so I'm kind of paying attention and all of a sudden I hear Matt Pittman, the the PA, uh, Tristan Thompson, and I and I and I'm like I did like a double take, like <laughs> I'm like, did he say Tristan Thompson? And and I and, and then I kind of looked around and I thought, well, no, he didn't say Tristan Thompson. Like that's somebody else. Like it was that's it sounded like Tristan Thompson, but it's not Tristan Thompson. And then he scored again, and it was yeah. Tristan Thompson. And I, and I like I looked at I go I go like Tristan Thompson like that. I said to Will, I said. 
that like that Tristan Thompson? She's like, yeah, they signed him like on the last day of the season. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I thought Tristan Thompson had retired and was like an analyst on ESPN or something. Huh. And I, I guess they did a favor. I guess LeBron wanted him to be on the playoff roster, so they did him a solid and, and gave him like a Haslam yeah. contract yeah. for yeah. the playoffs. But I had no idea, Whitey, and I'm a little embarrassed <laughs> to admit that maybe I shouldn't be. That 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 I did not know that the Lakers had signed Tristan Thompson at the at the end of the year. Well, that's because your filter you got a built in filter, and some stuff your filter you got so much information. It's like okay, some of the stuff doesn't matter, so I'm just not going to log it. And then Tristan Thompson signing with the Lakers, I could see how your brain, your filter system would say, we don't need to know about that. But then there he was playing uh, in the second game, and he had I think four points and five rebounds or something like that. Yeah, didn't matter. Yeah, a couple of buck, yeah, couple of buckets in in, in mop up duty uh, for Tristan Thompson, and that 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 alerted me. Uh, what did you think of Schroeder, Whitey, and and the leg grab? I know that's been something that's been discussed a lot, uh, and uh, you know Schroeder may be trying to get away with a few a few things in this in this series to this point. I think there's going to be a little bit of a target on him. Yeah, as, as a guy that can be a little sneaky from time to time, a little right. sneaky Dennis Schroeder, right? But don't you think too? And you could argue that Draymond has brought some of this on himself, although a cheap play, a dirty play. There's no excuse for that. But you know, we saw it in Sacramento too. I mean, pl- players are trying to bait him. I mean, I know Sabonis grabbed his foot and then he got stomped on, but Monk had grabbed Draymond's leg and the. I mean, just grabbing his foot and hanging on. So it's a dirty play. I'm with you. I'm not excusing it by any stretch, but I'm saying I do think for a lot of players, like, hey, watch this. We're going to get Draymond kicked out of this game. So it's not right. It's cheap. It's unfair. But I do think that I think we've seen it a number of times in these playoffs. No, I, yeah, we have a couple of text messages to get to, and, and Draymond has to know that he, that he's going to be able to to hold his composure. Yes, yes. Uh, in in this in this series and in the playoffs, which is something that I, I I think is really important. Some text messages on the Comcast Business text line from the nine two five. The Lakers complaining about the refs is an absolute joke. Uh, <laughs> off of the first two games of of this series. Uh, what did you think of that? Because it felt we, I was talking to Dibs yesterday on the on the afternoon show. Mm-hmm. It seemed like when we get into Laker adjustments, it seemed like the number one Laker adjustment on their board was to complain about the officials. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, what? And 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 almost intimate that hey, we need a big time foul advantage, and if we don't get the big time foul advantage, we can't hang with this team. Yeah, well, and they complained by not complaining, right? Because like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to complain. I don't want to get fined. So, yeah, we know what you're saying. But that's it. If the um, foul discrepancy or if the foul's called or anything close to even in any of these games, the Lakers have to let the officials know because their survival depends on them getting that kind of advantage. They got it all year long. Uh, some of that was earned. That's the way they play. But I, 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 as I said earlier, if they get a discrepancy similar to the first game, they have a chance to win. If they don't get more free throws than the Warriors, I don't think they have a very realistic chance to win these games. So, of course, they're going to complain about it. Uh, it's a matter of survival for them. A couple other ones, 925. So glad Whitey is back for the for the Saturday show. So, yeah, hat tip to, Thank you. to that texter, Whitey. Nice, yeah. nice job. We appreciate it. Appreciate your Good wife coming in uh, <laughs> on, on the text yeah. on the machine nice yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, more uh, text messages. We were talking about Clay Thompson defensively. J.D., it seems like Clay's much better with guys who operate slower, more mechanical, lacked major lateral quickness. Russell is a tortoise, and so Clay was able to, to hang with him. That was one warrior adjustment that really – that really did work in in game two, switching up some of the matchups as far as as who was was defending who, and and it it worked in the Warriors' favor. Has Clay improved defensively over the course of the year? I want to say I think he has. It's so hard to know. Yeah. Now they're putting him on the He's ball. He's just and up and down. Like, yeah. I feel like Whitey, I, and I, I apologize for jumping in on you no, there, please. but I just I feel like his defensive game and his offensive game. There's just such a there's a higher variance. There's games where he's awesome, and it feels like he's either awesome mm-hmm. or he's terrible. And and I it, and so it just you kind of don't know night to night what you're going to get. I I do give him credit because there were two games in the King series specifically, and one of them was Game Seven 
where I thought he started off bad and and got it together quickly. I think game four was another one where he started off bad in game four of the, the Sacramento series, but then got it together quickly and hit some really big shots and, and, and was stable defensively in that game. Ended up having, I think, one of the best plus minuses on the, on the team in, in that game. And so I, I, I think there's just a high variance yeah. now for, for Clay. You know, the good are really good. The bad are, are bad, and there there have been fewer of these these in-between uh, games. But, yeah, Clay on D'Lo was one thing. Draymond, obviously, on Anthony Davis was another adjustment. Uh, they put Jermichael Green on, on Vanderbilt, and they moved Curry, who Curry was on Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was on him. Curry was on Vanderbilt in game one, and the Warriors put uh, Curry on Austin Reeves in, in game two, at least at the beginning. So the Warriors did switch up the matchups. In, in game two. I don't have numbers to back this up and I'll see if I can find some, but to, to my eye, I agree with you that clay, there's a lot of variance there, but to me right now, his defensive highs are higher than they were earlier this year. And certainly last year. And like I say, I, I think I'm seeing that. I'm not sure that it seems like Steve Kerr has more faith in putting him on the ball than he did when, when, uh, clay was earlier in his recovery which makes sense but also something that stood out to me about the sacramento series there were times like herder guarding clay and clay's a mismatch again you know clay when he came back he'd hunt a lot of shots and he was looking for stuff on the perimeter but when he had that baseline shot over herder it's like barbecue chicken herder had no chance against clay and it's the first time i've really noticed that about clay and anybody really since he came back from his you know catastrophic injuries a couple of more on the Comcast business text line. Uh, we're talking about Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole will likely be moved in the offseason. The 510 chiming in, Whitey. If the Warriors end up playing every other day for 34 days, they will need Kaminga to contribute. I know he hasn't played well, but wouldn't it be good to get him in games now, even if it's just for a few Here minutes? We I, I Here we go after, again with Kaminga. Yeah. Here we go yeah, again. I, and I'm going to violate the rule. Uh, that I set yesterday, and really it, it started with Thursday night on the post game. And, you know, I think we have to stop talking about Kaminga until he actually get, gets in. I think we, we can all see why he's not playing. I think, and, and I, I've run through this a few times. I'll do it one more time. Uh, but, you know, he was bad in game one against the Kings. Kerr gave him another chance in game two. He was the worst player on the floor in game two. He was a minus 10 in four minutes, and he gave up all 10 points like it was he gave up 10 straight points it wasn't just I know you hey you, you on the plus minus like yeah you know you can't look at plus minus for short stretches. he literally gave up all 10 points so I shouldn't laugh but it's a good point he he was out of the game uh there and then I think Kerr was going to be done with him for that series in after game two but Draymond gets suspended Gary Payton had an illness so Kaminga got a third opportunity in game three he did okay in game three he made a couple of plays in game three the Warriors won in blowout fashion uh they, they played from ahead in that game and because he played all right in game three I think Steve Kerr gave him another shot in game four and he was just as bad in game four as he was in game two minus eight in a quick three minutes and at that point he was done for the series and and rightfully so now on paper Whitey I think he would figure to have played more in this series against the Lakers going in than, than the Sacramento series. I think part of the reason he hasn't gotten the opportunity in the first two games, or at least in the first game, is some of this other stuff now with the uh, reporting on the Curry speech that you know sources, according to Marcus Thompson and, and Shams, that, that Curry's message about everybody being on board was directed at Kuminga and Poole. But Kaminga, part of that is maybe, you know, pouting about lack of playing time. Mm -hmm. like if, if he's pouting about not playing in the King series as bad as he played in the King series, then that uh, is enough for Steve Kerr alone to say, well, you're not playing in the next series until there's yeah. an injury or foul trouble or an emergency. And so, look, I don't think it's a big deal that Kaminga's not playing. There's been this this gap, I think, that's, that's developed between – the level of player that the fans think Kaminga is right now and the level of player that he actually is. I think there are a lot of Warrior fans that think Kaminga right now is a much better player than he actually is. That's not a statement to what his future can be. I actually don't think his future is all that screwed up. He just can't help him really right now. And so I said this 
I've said it a couple times. This is the last time I'm going to say it. I'll let you comment on it. The, the, the play for Kaminga now is to wait like Moses Moody did for foul trouble or somebody else to play his way out of the rotation or an injury. Be ready. Steve Kerr's going to tap him. He's going to go in the game and be ready. And if you play well like Moody did, and Moody only got his opportunity because Kaminga was so bad in game two that Steve Kerr kind of said, all right, I'll throw Moody in there and we'll see. And mm-hmm. then Moody played well enough to keep playing now for the last seven games. That Kaminga's just going to have to wait for his turn, Whitey, and, and do it and, and, and hope for the best once he gets out there. Obviously, he's still developing. If what may be true is true, that he's pouting, we don't know that, but I know how it looks and I know what's been reported. That's part of his development is for Steve Kerr to send him the well, message. There were some that, cryptic tweets. Yeah, too, I understand like, that. But it, yeah, and I, I just, I don't know it for a fact. I understand it. My point is, if there's any, if that's going on at all, then it's part of his development for the coach to say, you ain't playing. This is the playoffs. There's no room for that. Um, I will also say this. I remember earlier this year when the Lakers were playing the Warriors. I'm sure you remember this when the Lakers just gave him like, go ahead, whatever you want. And so would that be part of what's? how would he respond to that? Now, the Lakers do that more extremely than just about any team in the league where they'll just leave you alone. Does he have the wherewithal to figure that out? And then thirdly and finally, in terms of this particular series, I know some people were suggesting uh, Thursday when I was in for you in for Willard. Uh, people saying, hey, you know, maybe he could guard LeBron. You know, maybe he could, but right now, I'm not that worried about LeBron. I hate to say that because I know it's LeBron, but the first two games, he's a good player. But I'm not sitting there going, man, how am I going to stop LeBron? Because whether it's because of his injury or whatever, I mean, he hasn't really hurt me that much. So I'm not that worried about my LeBron stopper right now. Maybe I will be tonight, but right now I'm not. All right, 888-957-9570, two hours in the books. we got one hour to come. We'll get back to the phones here. Game three adjustments, what are you bracing for if you're the Warriors, and how confident are you that the Warriors have the Lakers figured out? I think a lot of Warrior fans are feeling good. We'll continue the conversation here on 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 